Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to go. Numbers 13. We are continuing on this uh, little series that we've been speaking about with vision, not really about the building, but just last week we spoke about the greatest vision is the vision that we have in our own life. There's no point having a vision out there if we don't have a vision in us. Ephesians 1, the work of God, the exceedingly abundant, incredible, immeasurable work of God, the work of God that the Bible says, Paul says to the church of Ephesus, that is at work within us. But Numbers chapter 13 is where I'm going to go this morning, give you a little bit of context. The Israelites are on their way to Canaan. They get pretty close. And Moses gives some instruction. He goes, hey, I want you to go and explore the land of Canaan. And he says, go and explore it and go and see what the land is like. How many of you know exploring is good? How many of you like to go and explore? You explore mountains. You go and explore hills. You go and explore new countries. You love it. Some of you need to get out of Leeds. You know, I met someone recently. lives in Leeds. They've lived in Leeds for 50 years. They've never been to Ilkley. Can you believe that? Cow and calf. They've never been there. They've never faced the wind of the cow and calf. They've never had a Guinness in that. No, they've never had. <laughs> Exploring is good. And so Moses says to them, hey, go and explore the land. And the Bible says he sends his leaders out. If you're going to send anyone out, send the leaders out. Why? Because the leaders know stuff. The leaders, they are the right people to send to explore the land so you would think but in verse 26 they come back after spying on the land of Canaan it says this they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran and there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land they gave Moses this account they said we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey Mm. here is its fruit But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those who live in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we even looked the same to them. I just want to share on these scriptures just for a few moments before we invite the worship team back and we invite Jesus back to the stage to lead us in just a song of worship. We need to stop calling you Jesus. I'm sorry, Brandon. You can't help you have that hair. Like um, Whether Jesus was six foot two, white with blue eyes, I'm not so sure. But you know what, that's, that's another question for another day. Here we have a strategy. Moses has a strategy. How many of you know strategy is good? You need a strategy. We have a strategy for this extension that we're going to do. You have strategies for your business. 
You have strategies for the year ahead. Vision needs a strategy. And it's a good strategy. Because the strategy is we're going to send leaders into the land and we're going to explore it so we can prepare for when we go there. How many of you know good plan? And so Moses has this strategy. He shares it with his leaders, the best 12 leaders he can find, the leaders of the tribes. These are like the best of the best. This is the British SAS. And he shares this strategy with them, a good strategy. But the 12 didn't have the spirit. So you realize with vision and opportunity, the strategy is only as good as the spirit that carries it. It is called strategy and spirit. There are lots of businesses that have a great strategy, but they don't have a great spirit. There are lots of businesses that have a great plan and a great product, but they don't have the spirit to facilitate that strategy. There are lots of churches that can have a great strategy, but it's more than just a strategy. We need a spirit that carries the strategy. Amen. That is the spirit that is within me. That is the spirit that is within you. That is the spirit that is within us as a church. And we've shared the strategy. Me and Abs have just taken the last 10 minutes to do that. The what, the when, the how, the who. How's this going to happen? The strategy is crucial. But now I just want to speak about the spirit. You see, the Bible says they had the opportunity to explore And they came back with a certain report on what they had seen. All of us in our lives, we have the opportunity to decide what report we choose to come back with. You know, when you've gone on holiday and you have an opportunity to choose the report. When you go on holiday and you go on TripAdvisor, how many of you follow TripAdvisor to see if you should actually go to that hotel or if you should eat at that restaurant? Because people are giving their report on their experience. And the Bible says they come back and they give this report. And our response to the vision, our response to what we see is crucial. For the Israelites, their report and what they responded with meant the Israelites who were so close to the promised land of what God had established for them, we're ready to go. Like we've even been in it and we've come back out of it, but we're ready to go back in it again. Or because of their report, because of their response to what they saw, the Bible says they had to wait another 40 years. That's my whole life. (laughs) For some of you young people, that's like a third (laughs) of your whole, that's like, well, you're a third of that. Some of you are double that in the room. Any 80 year olds in the room? We have an 80-year-old. Come on, round of applause for the eldest stateswoman in the church. We honor you. 40 years they waited because of the response, because of the spirit that they came back with. You know, vision has its friends. Every vision has its friends. They are the encouragers. 
They are the faith fillers. They are the ones who are the confidence builders. And I'm grateful for those of you in the room and those of you who aren't in the room but are coming to the other services but are listening who have been encouragers to us, who have been faith fillers to us, who have just sent us messages or texts or just put an arm around the shoulder and you are the friends of the vision. You're there when we speak it. You're there. Yeah, bring it on. You're there going, I'm with this. This sounds good. This sounds like a good plan. And it has been amazing for how many of those of you have been friends to the vision. You also need to know that vision also has its enemies. Vision has its enemies. And sometimes they are found in people who are just mean and some people who are just small-minded. But often, I often find the enemies to vision are found a lot closer to home. The biggest enemy to vision is normally found in me. It's normally found in you. You know, the greatest enemy isn't always the devil. The greatest enemy isn't always the council. The greatest enemy isn't always the health and safety executive. They're important. Sometimes the greatest enemy is within me. Sometimes I am the biggest block to my breakthrough. You see, whenever you encounter vision, you encounter space. And new space is exciting. New space is like, wow. Some of you have bought a new house and you, you've, you've like been excited about the new house because it's new space. And then you get into the house and you find of have this like feeling inside of you. like It's like a deflating feeling sometimes. And you're like, why do I feel like this? I should feel excited. I should feel like pumped up. I should feel amped up. And yet I feel depressed. <laughs> it is often because the new space can be disorienting. Disorientating. Because what you've become used to has made you comfortable. What you have become used to has made you become familiar. And we as people like to be comfortable. We like to be familiar with what we know. Some of you never eat in new places. You never go on holiday in new places. You always go to the same places. Why? Because you feel comfortable and familiar. But when you encounter new space, it can often make you feel uncomfortable. And there are enemies to the vision that often make you feel uncomfortable like these spies felt when they saw the land of Canaan. There are enemies to some of this vision but it is okay because the Bible helps us to overcome. And I want to share just a few of these right now in this short time that I'll have final 14 minutes with you. The first enemy, I think, to vision, which I think is important for us to talk about. You might think this is a negative message, but sometimes you have to talk about the negative so you reveal the power of the positives. Sometimes you have to talk about the bad things to reveal how good the good things are. So one of the negatives, one of the enemies of vision, I think, is division. It's division. Are you with me this morning? You're all a little bit quiet. Are you, are you excited about the day? You don't see me. Are you excited about the day? Okay, let's have a little bit more oomph in us. If you need a Red Bull, have a Red Bull. If you need if you punch someone in the shoulder, punch them in the shoulder. If you need to have an argument at the back, have an argument at the back. Just get it out of your system. Division. Everybody say Division. Wherever there is godly vision, there will always be ungodly opposition. Wherever there is godly vision, there will always be ungodly opposition. You know, division 
You don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out even the word division is die to vision, two visions. Some of you are like, I never knew that. <laughs> I'm giving you English. You don't just come and hear about the Bible. You say, the pastor also teaches me English, teaches me maths. We can do some science afterwards if you want. We'll do PE. We could do some bleep test in the hall. You name it, we'll do it. Division is the splitting of one vision into two. Here's the thing with division. The other vision can be just as good as the first vision. It doesn't mean that one vision is good and the other vision is evil. You know, sometimes when you hear about division in the ranks, you think, oh, the devil must be at work somewhere. Somebody must be demonic in their approach. And sometimes the enemy can be at work. I'll talk about that in a moment. But sometimes there is just a division. One person has one vision. Somebody else has another vision. They're not both. They're not one good and one bad. They are just die. They are two visions taking place. The thing with division is division creates disunity. And wherever there is disunity, God cannot bless that. The Bible is clear that where there is unity, God commands, God orders, God speaks into a blessing. When there is, when there is unity in your marriage, God speaks blessing into that. When there is unity in your home, I believe God speaks blessing into that. Two of the 12 said we can. 10 of the 12 said we can't. The 12 had become split. There was division amongst the 12. Two of them, the small number, are saying, let's go for it. The vision is clear. 10 of them are saying, we can't do it. The vision is dangerous. And it is impossible to move forward together when people are separated and segregated. And as a result, we read they missed out on going to where they needed to go simply because they were not unified in their approach. One of the biggest enemies to vision is division. You see, often the enemy doesn't need to create feuds. Often the enemy doesn't need to create certain circumstances. Sometimes the enemy just rides on the coattails of division. Sometimes he just goes, right, there's division there. I'll just surf on the ride that wave. The enemy thrives in disunity because the currency of disunity is discord. It is just the enemy like loves it. He just comes alive in disunity. He comes alive in a disunified marriage. He comes alive in a disunified business. He comes alive in a disunified home. Because the currency of discord, creating discord is what the enemy is all about. And one of the main reasons for disunity is pride. Pride is one of the main reasons for disunity. You might explain, what do you mean, Dave? Why do you think pride is? Because the thing in me that says, I'm not happy with that vision, I think I've got a better vision than that. That vision doesn't include me like I want it to include me. That vision doesn't empower me. It doesn't, it doesn't do what I want it to do in me. Therefore, I think I have a better vision. I don't think we should be getting Burley Road. I think we should be getting a property over there. I don't think we should be. I, because I want something else because it doesn't empower or acknowledge me therefore I will separate and create another vision 
which fulfills me in my way. The Bible says that the devil didn't want all the glory to go to God. And so what did he do? He tried to rock the boat of heaven's unity. He was a, there, was a, there was like, are we all giving praise to God? And the enemy, the devil wasn't happy with that. You know, Lucifer wasn't happy with that. And so creates a disunified approach, tries to rock the boat of heaven's unity because there was pride in the way. So therefore, if there is pride in the way, the solution is found in our humility. The solution is found in our humility to say, hey, the vision is not about me. The new space and what we do in here is not about me. I probably won't access the community grocery. I might not access the health clinic. I might not access the training classrooms that we're going to provide to help people learn maths and English and help with certain life skills. I might not access them, but Canaan is not about me. Canaan is about all the people who are still to come after me. I might, I might, I might, and I will benefit from it, but I lay down my agenda. If it was my agenda... I'd make this into five-a-side football pitches. AstroTurf, lights, commentators, sponsors, Lucasade stand. Like, I would make it big Sky TV cameras. That was my agenda. I don't think the city needs another indoor fight. Well, actually, come to think, come to think about it. We're the trustees. Uh, What I'm trying to encourage us to say is, guys, if this doesn't float your boat, that's okay. If this doesn't make you wild, that's okay, because this is not about me, so therefore I lay down my pride. <laughs> and I surrender my wants to stand together in unity with my brothers and sisters. Every song that we sing on a Sunday might not be your favorite. How we do things might not be your way of doing things, but we stand together, we lay down our wants and we surrender them to stand together in unity with what the Bible calls brothers and sisters in Christ. What I've realized more and more is my main job as a pastor is to protect the unity in the church. That is probably like one of my main jobs, Monday to Sunday, is to protect the unity in the church. Because where there is unity, God commands the blessing. And I believe the blessing on this house that God has seriously blessed, one of the reasons, I think, is because of the encouragement within all of us to walk humbly before the Lord. And where there is humility, there is unity. Look what it says, if you don't believe me. Ephesians, I hate saying things without backing it up in the Bible. But Ephesians chapter 4, look what this, I read this this week. And so let's be completely what? Come on, everyone in the room, completely And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. As you become humble, you maintain the unity of the Spirit. Enemy number one is division. Enemy number two is distraction. Vision, the enemy of the vision is distraction. Verse 27 says, we saw the fruit and the fruit is great. The grapes are massive. The apples are huge. The strawberries, oh my gosh, they are good. 
but we also saw the people. The mission was to explore the fruit. The mission, the strategy was to explore the land. And when they are in there, they get, how many of you know, distracted. And I get why they would get distracted by giants. (laughs) I get why they would get distracted by what they saw. But we get so easily distracted by what is right in front of us. Sometimes what is right in front of us takes our whole attention rather than seeing behind or around what is right in front of us. The giants became more visible than the fruit. You know, it's amazing how you will become focused on that which becomes your biggest problem. Whatever is your biggest problem becomes your main focus. And you often get distracted by other things. Why? Because the big problem right in front of you takes all of your focus. That is sometimes why problem children in schools often get more focused than the well-behaved kids. Because they are the biggest problem, sometimes they get the greatest focus. And then the good kids who are kind of trying to work hard don't necessarily get the same level of attention. Why? Because it is a distraction. And many church denominations in the past have had wonderful vision. And yet they get distracted by aspects of theology or they get distracted by whether or not a woman should remain silent. And for the next 10, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, they're debating the silence of women and, the, and, and who should be doing this and how should this be happening. And they have lost track and lost focus of what is the main thing. They get distracted. They get distracted by a little argument. They get distracted by these little different Things. The main thing is the fruit. But the fruit became the second or the third or the fourth thing. You know, I need to be open with you today and say this. I get very easily distracted. I can absolutely admit, I get easily distracted. And I I could try and blame it on ADHD or something like that. The reality is I think I need to become more disciplined as to what lies in front of me. Sometimes I need to get more discipline as to what lies in front of me. Whenever I start painting a wall, I'll start painting a wall and I'm enjoying painting a wall, but then I'll see another wall. And I'll leave that wall and I'll start painting this wall. And then I'll see a ceiling and I'll go, oh, that ceiling looks fun. I get the ceiling on. And then abs will come into the room. <laughs> There's paint everywhere, but not one wall is finished. Why? Because I get easily distracted. Can I encourage as church, whatever you do, finish what you start. If you start it, finish it. And if you start it and you don't enjoy it, still finish it. If you're at university and you're a second year, finish your third year. Okay? Don't quit with two weeks to go, two months to go. Just finish it. If I hate it, finish it. If I'm not enjoying it, finish it. (laughs) Finish your job well. Do the basic things in life. Finish what you start. Sometimes we miss out on new opportunities... Because we never finish the first opportunity. And you're there going, why? But why? No opportunities are coming my way. No other new things are coming my way. I'm just kind of a bit depressed because, like, everyone else has got everything else. But if you finish this, if you finish your main course, maybe you can have ice cream. But you're wanting ice cream, but you've got to finish your main course. Finish what you start. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are what? Steadfast. 
steadfast on the Lord. The third vision, third enemy to vision, I've nearly closed and I know that because Sam has come to join me on the stage. That's him basically saying, can you close today because we're all a little bit bored now. It's okay, don't worry. The Lord loves me. The The third enemy to vision is apathy. Hmm. Apathy says, I can't be bothered. How many, of you can't be, how many of you sometimes can't be bothered with certain things? I definitely, there's times where I can't be bothered for that conversation. I can't be bothered to have that argument. I can't be bothered to wait in that line. Can't be bothered to wait in that queue. I can't be bothered. We all have times where we can't be bothered. But here in Numbers 13, they can't, I use this word, they can't be bothered, and apathy. Why? Because they know what it's going to take out of me. These 10 leaders are smart leaders. They know what it's going to take out of them to go into Canaan. And you get to a point where you go, have you ever been there? You're like, I know what this is. I know what this conversation is going to do. Or I know what this decision is going to make. Or I know, you know before you do it, the cost. So therefore, sometimes you go, actually, I think I'll leave it. I know what entering Canaan is going to cost me. I know what it's going to take out of me. I have a question for that. And the question is this. If you know what it's going to take out of you, the bigger question is this. What could it put in you? We become so consumed with the withdrawal rather than the deposit. We become obsessed with the withdrawal and we ignore the deposit. Sometimes you need to make make a withdrawal so that you can make a deposit. You know, one of the old phrases, sometimes you've got to spend money to make money. Sometimes you've got to withdraw so that you can receive a deposit. Sometimes we often want to make stuff without spending stuff. Yeah, 12 spies, Canaan will be costly. Yes, church, Burley Road will be costly. Not just in finance, but costly midweek with the people that we engage with. Costly with sometimes the stuff involved, the work involved, the the excess stuff, you know, like more and more people as they access the church. You're serving more teas, you're welcoming more cars, you're helping more people. There's more things to clean, there's more stuff to do. Why? Because the volume increases and you're there going, this is costly. Question, can we be bothered? And let me speak to some of you in the room. For some of us in the room, we've been here before. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us in the room, we've been here before. What do I mean by that? We've had vision before. We've had new buildings before. We've had great plans before. We've had great vision before. We've had battles before. And I'm just not sure at my stage of life, I want to go again. And for those of you who are thinking that in the room, let me tell you this. I get it. I get it. I might not be as experienced as what you've experienced and seen. 
speak, I think about my parents who have done multiple buildings, multiple vision offerings, multiple things, multiple, like they've been there before. There's easily a something in us where you get to a point where you go, I'm not sure I want to go to Canaan again. <laughs> You've given before to things like this. You've supported stuff like this. You've served. You've done it before. Here's what I want to say. You might have been here before, but lots of us haven't. You might have been here before, but lots of us haven't. My kids have never been here before. My kids have never engaged in this. The amount of times my kids say on a Sunday morning, sometimes too, as they sometimes say, are we going to the new building yet? (laughs) It's not ready yet. And so where you're there going, I have an apathy, I've been here before. Lots of us, the young people, your kids, your kids' kids, whoever they might be, maybe they haven't been. Hey, let's be a church that can be bothered. Finally, as I close, the final enemy of vision is fear. Fear grips all of us. Giants are giants. The bigger the giant, the smaller I feel. Fear is normal. Fear is not a sin. Fear is an intimidation. Intimidation. What is in that word is the word timid. And the Bible says God has not given you a timid spirit. He's not given you a spirit of timidity. But he has given you a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And it's great. You know, it's great over COVID. It's great to have faith over fear. We all spoke about that. It's great to have faith over fear. And we declare that. But you know what? The more I realize with fear, the more I realize 1 John 4 verse 18 is true. 1 John 4 18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. It is perfect love that drives out fear. It is a revelation of the love of God that casts, throws out fear. And whatever fears we have with the vision that we have right now, the way I get over those fears is that I know God loves me. And that top trumps everything in my life. I know God loves me so much. So therefore, whatever happens, even if everything falls on its face, if nothing happens, if whatever happens, do you know what the reality is? I don't need to be fearful about that because the perfect love of God is all that I need. And if we succeed or if we fail, his love never changes. If we give 50,000 or 50 million, his love never changes. If this is the start of something big or not, who cares? Well, we do care, but God's love never changes. That's what gets out the fear. There are plenty of reasons to say no. Most of them are rooted in fear, but there are plenty of reasons to say yes. Most of them are rooted in love because we love people enough and we want people to experience that love. You know, the band come and join me and singers come because we need to close. Numbers 14, the next chapter, talks about how God isn't pleased with the 12. He's angry, he's ticked that they had this vision, this opportunity, and they've missed out on it. God isn't happy with them. 
And he basically says, none of you will fulfill the vision. None of you are going to enjoy it. Except, except, Numbers 14 verse 24. Except my servant Caleb. Why? Because he has a different spirit. And he follows me wholeheartedly. And I will bring him into the land we went to and his descendants will inherit it. He has a different spirit. Let's be a church of a different spirit. You see, it is the spirit that fulfills vision. It is not only the strategy. We need a strong strategy. But we need to be people of a different spirit. So whatever enemies are hitting you right now towards this vision, I pray that you might overcome them with the spirit of Caleb, the spirit of Joshua that says, you know what? The love of God in us and through us tells me we can do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We've got to close.